Listen to the Vibes. Welcome, everyone, to another episode of Listen to the Vibes. And I'm very happy to welcome Vanessa Brewers here. And you are a coach and a shamanic healer. Did I get that correct? <laughs> yeah, you know, I'm laughing because when I introduce myself, I'm like, what do I, I am, I am those things. <laughs> and <laughs> not, no title, it's, anyone who's a coach or a healer will, will know the struggle that there's no title that actually fits. So yeah, coach, life coach, performance coach, I'm on the shamanic path. I've not been initiated into shamanism, which feels important to say, but definitely work with those energetics. So sometimes I'll say culture shaman and all the titles fit. Well, tell us a little bit more about you. <clears throat> so, you know, it's it's really funny. What I do is so much who I am. I started years ago as a health coach and the work evolved because even from the early days, it it seemed like I couldn't help but break the rules about what a coach was supposed to do and what they weren't supposed to do. So when I was a health coach, I was never talking about food. And then I went into coaching health coaches and I was never talking about their business. And then I worked with entrepreneurs and leaders and we were never talking about work, you know? So it was a struggle for such a long time. I felt like I was doing something wrong or cheating and you know, selling people one thing and giving them something else. And it took me a really long time, particularly because of my own journey, that I was doing all the right things. And I was mastering the business skills and I was getting more and more excellent and masterful at what I did. And I was earning more money and charging more per hour and building the business that I had always, you know, that genuinely when I started out as a coach would have been a freaking dream come true. And I was bored and I was checked out and I felt stuck for a long, long, long time. And I also always felt out of place in the coaching world. You know, I worked with high people who tended to be high performers in one way or another. So leaders of organizations or entrepreneurs, you know, that kind of person was really drawn to me, but all of them, including myself, really struggled with high levels of anxiety extreme levels of restlessness, this kind of feeling that the, the we're chasing achievement, that the next achievement would have you feel fulfilled. And it, and it wasn't working. It wasn't working for me and it wasn't working for them, even though it was working in terms of growing the businesses. And then this past year, I brought the whole thing down. I just let it all fall apart because at the end of the day, what what my business felt like I was doing, even though it was deep, meaningful and impactful work, it felt like I was just constantly holding the walls up and I couldn't, if I stopped, if I breathed, if I paused, everything would come crashing down. And so I just let everything come crashing down because I was freaking sick of holding it up. And so for six weeks I did nothing and I had never, I'd gone on vacation, but I mean, I just stopped because it was the only message that was clear. And it also became clear that until I just did that, I wasn't going to get the next instruction. And so I paddleboarded and I laid in the grass. I live in Denver. It was the middle of summer. I went hiking in the mountains with my dog and I just stopped and I, I let it all fall down. My credit score crumbled. My income crashed. You know, I couldn't pay bills. I mean, I just let it all fall apart. And I don't know that everybody has to do this, but for me, it was one of the most healing things, because what I saw were all the places that I, I had to keep it going 
that was causing this just energetic drain in my life everywhere. And ultimately at the end of the day, I couldn't see what was right for me and I couldn't trust life because I, I just didn't believe that it would be okay if it all fell apart. And then it all fell apart and I was embarrassed and humiliated and sad and terrified and confused and angry. And then once all that passed, I was just a woman on her paddleboard. And I could, and I said to my, my spiritual teacher, I woke up one morning, I went for a sunrise hike and I was walking in this beautiful park and I was the only one there. And this, no joke, this bald eagle flew by almost eye level. And I was, I was moved. I started crying. It was just so beautiful. And I sent her a message and I said, if the cost that I had to pay just to experience this moment of bliss was everything then I paid too little. And so now, I mean, I, I've, I've been rebuilding my business in a very different way, but this is now at the heart of it. I'm no longer helping people prop up their lives with money and success just to avoid trust and avoid life. I think a lot of people would be too um, filled with anxiety to do something like that. Uh, yeah. We ha have this tendency to want to hold on to everything and at any cost, even to our own sanity. Yes. Yeah, that's right. Mm -hmm. I actually have a bracelet that I wear. Uh, it's just a thin gold bracelet. And on the inside, I had engaged, in, uh, not engaged, um, tr what's engraved at all costs. Like I will choose my freedom at all costs, my emotional freedom, my spiritual freedom, I don't want to, I don't want to be beholden to anything. Say some of us just can't let go mm -hmm. and we will make ourselves sick yeah. just to hold on to the, I mean, this stuff is meaningless when we die. Most, most of the family that gets your stuff is either going to sell it or throw it in a closet or something. Yeah. If anything, they'll be irritated. They need to clean your house out <laughs> <laughs> and they'll feel guilt because they should want your stinky couch, but they don't, you know, <laughs> you know, when my, my grandfather passed, he had a, a wood shop and he used to build all kinds of really cool stuff and he had things from back in the 1930s it's some of it was just old patterns and old tools some of them were busted and i couldn't let go of them because mm. it was it was part of him yeah yeah i get that but that's i don't know that's uh, that's a whole different thing it's 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 not really, it's, it's the, the very human impulse to cling and to grasp. And, you know, for me, I always, I always like to leave a little, um, like a, what do you call it? Like a disclaimer. I know that I am meant to embody really extreme life experiences. Not everybody has to let their whole world crash to the ground, but there has to be some willingness to let go of mm. what what you're clinging to, who you think you are. You hear people talk about it a lot, especially in the personal development and the spiritual world about your identity. And, you know, in theory, 
it's much easier to air quotes, let go than in reality. In reality, the process of letting go is an excruciating process. It's painful. It triggers all of the big, bad, scary emotions that we repress and try not to feel. So when people talk about letting go, it's more of a letting out, letting free. It's a, you know, you can't, you're never going to let go of the identity you're holding on to, the job you're holding on to, the relationship you're holding on to, the couch of your grandfather's, the patterns that you're holding on to, unless you're also willing and able to see and feel the emotions that that holding on is protecting you from. So a lot of times people will ask me, well, how do I let go? I'm not going to, I'm not going to rip your grasp off of the thing that you're clinging to for life. I would never do that to somebody, but I will gently help them see what they're so afraid to feel. And once you feel that the letting go happens on its own. Well, I'm pretty sure other people have experienced this. When I would go on vacation and I'd be in some very beautiful places and instead of experiencing what was there in front of me, I'm worried about paying the bills and how much money did we spend on this trip and my, you know, my light's going to get shut off when I get home because I don't have enough for the light bill. How do we get out of that mode and into experiencing the moment? Yeah, it's such a good question. And it honestly, it's something that I journey with again and again and again and again and again. And so why I share that is because even after losing everything and letting go of everything. I mean, I'm talking the career I spent 10 years building, all the money that I had spent making, the identity with the fact that I was a person who made great money, any any concept at all. Like when I closed my business, it wasn't like, oh, I'm going to shut down for a minute and then rebuild. I didn't know if I would ever coach again. You know, I've released my marriage this year. I mean, everything and 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 went into the deepest state of trust that i've ever experienced which will have forever changed me in ways i still don't know and in the past couple months energy has started to kind of click on and you know things are building and moving fast again and right away i'm like clinging to the not trusting you know i got to control this you know <laughs> now that now that god put the path in my hands get out of the way i'll make it happen and so i share that because it's just, it is, it is what we came here for to forget over and over and over. But how do we shift from the worrying about the light bill to enjoying the moment? Is a the way that I do it with people is kind of three different pathways. One is what I would call descent. And this is sort of the the shamanic part where we, all these things that we're freaking out about on the surface are little clues that if you follow the light bill thread down, we'll find some sort of wounding around security and safety as a child. Mm. We follow it down. We'll find wounding around. You couldn't trust that the light bill would be on air quotes as a kid. Money was scarce parents fought, even if it wasn't about the light bill, it was, you know, something like that. And so there's this inner child in you that's still panicking about safety. 
And until we look at that and heal that and let that child know that you're now the parent that's taking care of them, that program is going to run. So there's deep healing work always, no matter what it is that you're fixating on as an adult, if you follow that thread back, we'll find wounding from your childhood. The second place is ascension and it's reestablishing trust in the divine, whatever that looks like for you, the universe, God, I say, God, some people say spirit. And it's, it's genuinely what I would, what I call this is reclaiming your place in the whole. You are not God. And the sooner we try to stop acting like it, life first gets scarier and then it gets easier because you're not the one calling the shots. You're not the one controlling the outcomes. You play your part. And there's some, it's like on one hand, you have to become the parent to the child. And on the other, you sort of surrender again, being the child to to the, the energetic whole. And there's a humbling in that. I think that was also part of my story. I was humbled in a big way. Vanessa, you are not in control. Submit. Stop trying to be the controller of everything. And there's fear in that. But the more you can handle the inner healing, the more willing you are to kind of release some of that control back up. And then the third, which I think is kind of what makes my work unique, is let's we got to handle the practicalities in this particular case, where are you earning money? If it's not enough, are you undercharging? Are you undercharging because you lack worth and we need to look at that? Are you undercharging because you lack skill and we need to look at that? And so it's the combination of these three deep healing, reclaiming faith in something greater than you and actually practicing and learning the skills required the, those three things are what have always helped me shift from panicking to presence. Do you work in all facets of business or is it mainly sales? Um, sales is where I've leaned into focusing mm -hmm. in my particular offerings, but I do work as a business strategist in a dear friend's company and I work with her on copywriting and strategizing to sell her event. So the same, what I would say, energetics apply to all areas of business. Um, but my, I think my sort of sweet spot is on one hand in sales and then the other hand it's in applying, like, what does this healing work look like inside of a business? How does this show up in leadership? How does this show up in entrepreneurship? So it's, it's kind of a combination of sales and leadership, I would say. Sales, leadership, and strategy. What about people that are just starting out in business maybe they don't have a, a a lot of employees um so for me that's where you know when i did one-to-one -one coaching which i don't do anymore i would work with someone on developing from the ground up uh but for those people it's a if they're just just starting it's a it is a combination of practicing your craft whatever that is in sales. To me, those are the, the two most important places. So if you're starting a business that you have a lot of experience in, and it's just like, how do I monetize this? Sales is the focus. And for some people it's, I don't have any idea what I'm doing. I'm just starting all of this. And that's, that's a real like, okay, well, we got to get you practiced and skilled at the delivery of the thing and sales. No matter if, if you're in business, you're in sales. Yeah. Well, I've talked to a lot of people that do 
what you do. And the approach is always like a big business. And I'm looking for someone who could help me, which is the podcast. It's a business. Mm -hmm. People don't understand what really goes into it. It's not just sitting in front of a camera. And I'm a one-man show here. So would you be able to help someone like me? You know, I... I would have to know more about what you wanted to do. And I know lots of people actually have a a previous client of mine and their whole work is helping their clients monetize their podcasts. So even if I, even if I couldn't, you know, she could, because there are different, I don't know much about podcasting and monetizing podcasts. And so I would, I would be able to help you with the clarity, the, the vision, the messaging, the, the places where you might be sabotaging or getting your, in your own way, but where I wouldn't be able to help you is in understanding actually what practical steps to take to monetize a podcast. I, Cause I don't have that experience, but I do know people who do. And so, yeah, I think that's just an important for anybody who's listening, who's kind of in that place. You want to have someone you, you know, depending on where you are in your business, sometimes the focus is more on, the inner work in the ways like inner work and clarity. And then mm-hmm. in other times it's strategy. And so if you are looking for someone to help you, you'll want to make sure you'll want to know what, what is the real focus right now? So for some people it's, it's the inner work that's getting in the way. And if you clean that up, you know, the strategy, you know, the steps and that will build other times like, no, I feel good about myself. I need the strategy and the execution. And that can help discern where to go for support. If that makes sense. When you do these podcasts, is there something that you don't get to usually talk about that you'd like to? Yes. I don't usually get to talk about my work with rage and particular, I mean, for everybody, rage is so important, but I also say that for entrepreneurs and high performers, it's hugely important. So when you talk about rage, what, what in particular so, um, you know, like I said, for, for most of the work I've done, no matter who it's with or what they want, at some point we end up in the healing space, mm-hmm. healing the wounds that we talked about, understanding the, the inner voices of harsh self-criticism. You hear a lot about mindset work and the thoughts that you think being super important. And honestly, I had, I, I had this fierce rebellion against this. It's all about your mindset even out of the beginning, even when I didn't know any better, I just was like angry about it. (laughs) And anytime I would work with someone and they say, Oh, it's your mindset. I'd want to like flip the table and be like F off. You know, (laughs) I didn't know why I just felt like such a hopeless rebel. You know, why am I fighting this? Vanessa, just get on board. And, and then, so I, I tried to submit to it and I, and I, I would sit for hours in the morning and I would write my declarations about who I wanted to be. And I would catch the negative thoughts and try to change them in the moment. And it was exhausting. And it's not that it's not important, but for me, it just didn't work. And when I, you know, I had, I had a relatively traumatic childhood and didn't even know that until I was in my twenties. So I didn't even know that there was something to heal. And I did lots and lots of years of healing worked with the best coaches and I still treated myself like crap in my head. I was still vicious, unforgiving, self-punishing, abusive, like most people are. 
Yeah. And it wasn't until by accident, I flipped out at my spiritual teacher over something like nothing. I mean, I lost it. I was so surprised. It caught me off guard. I was filled with rage. It was over something really stupid too. Like, well, I shouldn't say stupid. It was like one of the most significant moments of my life. Like, I think she skipped me when I had a question or something like that. I mean, it was tiny. Mm. And I never, ever for the rest of my lives forget her response was like the biggest smile on her face. And she just was like, bring it, bring it all, bring it on, get madder, be even more angry. And when I finished, she said, don't you dare go into apologetic nice girl. Because I wanted to be like, I'm sorry. Oh my God, what did I just do? And it was such a strange experience. I was confused. I was embarrassed, but I was like relieved. And then I felt super powerful. (laughs) What is happening here? And it was the first time I learned that rage is welcome. I mean, at that point, I actually didn't even consider rage an emotion. It was like some evil force within me that had to be barricaded off at all costs. And that moment changed my life. And little by little, as I started to welcome my own rage more and more, I also co-own a boxing gym. I started to fly my clients into Denver and do work with their rage in our boxing gym, soundproof room, loud, angry music. And I would take them into this really deep, deep process of what I would call reclaiming their rage. Gradually, little by little, I'd have them trust that experience more until they would completely lose control, flipping out, screaming, crying, collapsing in grief. They wouldn't even know what they were angry about. And one of the things that I would hear consistently afterwards is I don't talk badly to myself anymore. My critical voice is gone or the things that they were, the clients, they were afraid to fire. They would fire the relationships. They were afraid to end would end or their relationships would, their partners would break up with them days. I mean, the day they got home. And what I started to see is that we can do all this work around healing. We can do all this work around shame. We can do all this mindset work, but if you're doing that, just to keep this other part repressed, that's still not welcome. It's not going to work because wholeness means wholeness. Wholeness means every part of you is welcome. And rage basically comes online to protect ourselves. When something really awful is being done to us, rage is the correct healthy response. But for most of us as children, It wasn't welcome. If we showed any signs of it, it was punished or rejected or oppressed. And so we have all this enormous, and it's a huge energy and shamans work with energy that you've got locked in. And so the only safe place to put it is on ourselves. We know intuitively we can take our own wrath. And this is the voice of self-criticism, punishment, self-abuse. But when we experience it and we put it in its correct place, the flow of energy starts happening and we no longer have any need to turn it on ourselves. So those, the inner self abuse ends. When I get upset, which is not very often, believe it or not, I get really angry. I suppress a lot of anger for a long time. Mm-hmm. Um, part of it, um, my, my new wife, she's got two daughters and they're, I guess their father got angry and was a bit of a jerk. And so they get scared when they see somebody get mad. So I would try to hold all that in and hold back. 
and I I get to the point where I I do get self abusive. Uh, you know, I I've always had a bad habit though of putting myself down, feeling like I'm not worthy, I'm not as good as everybody else. So, is what you're saying is I need to take a moment to just let out every bit of emotion that I have and just let it go. Pretty much. Yeah. I mean, and it's, it's not a thing you do once and you never do again, but the first time you do it, what something really important happens, which is, Oh, I can trust this emotion. I can trust that this rage is not dangerous, is not damaging, you know, and you want to do it in a place where you wouldn't do that with the girls, you know, you would do it somewhere, (laughs) somewhere else, but you rejecting that rage, suppressing that rage is an enormous act of self-rejection. It's just that we typically, when it comes out, it comes out on somebody else and it does hurt somebody else because it just gets explosive. So yeah, if you were to take the time and the space, you know, one of the things that I did when I started working with this was I would go into the woods and I would I started to wear gloves because I kept cutting myself. I would go into a place in the woods where I could scream and I would just smash branches across trees and just like, like primal screaming and yelling and swearing and like letting all the hateful words out that are so wrong to say. And I would, and then I would started doing what I called rage hikes where I would be hiking and then I would just take big rocks and smash them against other rocks. And we have this, enormous primal animalistic nature that's important to honor. So yeah, as you do that, that force within you feels less dangerous and it has been expressed. So in those moments where you get angry and you get triggered, it's not such a battle within yourself. And I'm, I'm not a violent person by any means. I would never hurt anyone else unless they were doing harm to someone that I care about. Yeah. But I maybe I need to get out and by myself and just let it all go. Yeah. Cause it, it gets kind of sickening. For sure. You're poisoning yourself. And here's the thing. This is that I'm not a violent people. All people are violent. We're animals. This like pretending that we do that we're all, you know, put together and I hate it. it drives me crazy. When I walk <laughs> around in public you know, when I go, I'm a, I'm a total weirdo, which I love and I embrace, you know, when I'm in nature, like I'm connecting my forehead to trees. And sometimes I want to just like walk around with my arms out because it's so, and then I'll see another person. And I like, put my, I'm like, I'm normal. I'm normal. <laughs> <laughs> when I'm out in public and I see everybody dressed the same and holding it together and walking around and faking smiles, it drives me nuts. It's not true. Everybody is violent. Everybody is angry. Everybody is an animal. And it doesn't mean that that gives everybody permission to act like a nutcase, but it does give you permission not to think you're crazy or wrong or, or that you are violent because you have rage. It's like, no, you're human. And we're only allowed to feel 10 and express 10% of what's actually true for us. And so if we find in those places and take that time to express how you feel and go out in nature or go out potentially with another man. I mean, it would be, I don't know if you have that person, but when I do rage work, it's women with women very intentionally because men's man rage from a man is, is more powerful. It is more threatening. It is more air quotes, dangerous. It's meant to be. 
Yeah. So if you can be in that state with another man, it's actually even more healing because it's healing to do it by yourself, but it's even more healing to do it with somebody else and not be rejected. It's a deeper level of healing. Well, I guess I shouldn't say that I'm not a violent person because when I watch football, I say some <laughs> of the most vulgar things. <laughs> you don't want to turn that violence on others, but I, I think it's important for us to realize that like if we need if we need to kill, we'd kill, you know, like that oh, yeah. and not again, I'm not encouraging this, but because of the deep self-rejection of that part of our primal nature we continually have this program running, which is like, there's something wrong with me. There's something wrong with me. There's something wrong with me. And when we start to just take ourselves out of the context of the domesticated life and remember that by truth, we're tribal primal animals, the more we can reclaim that part of our nature, the less dangerous it becomes. Do you have a website? Yes, I do. It's vanessabrewerscoaching.com. And what about your social media? The High Performance Healer is my Instagram. Um, Vanessa Brewers is my Facebook. I just post all my stuff on my personal page there. But I talk a lot about this stuff because it's important. Well, we've come to the end of the show, but is there anything else you'd like to share? Um, yeah. You know, I think a lot of people start on the path of personal development so that they can get better at creating results. It's a beautiful place to start. Then you move into the space where you're like, oh, okay, if I want to create better results, I got to do some deeper healing, which is an important place to go. But I think you can get stuck on the healing path for a long time until you realize that actually wholeness is what we're after, not healed. And wholeness is realizing that forever you'll be flawed, forever you'll be human. And if the more you can just welcome these flawed, imperfect human parts, actually everything gets a whole lot easier. Because you're like, oh, I don't actually have to fix that. It's just a part of my flawed nature. Welcome in, have a seat. And then and then we start on the path to wholeness. And that is pretty fun. Well, we when we get a cut, we do heal, but a lot of times there's a scar left. Yes. And your skin is whole again, right? Yes. Oh, I love that. Perfect <laughs> metaphor. Vanessa, thank you so, so much for being on the show. I appreciate it. And I will put all your links in the description. So if anyone wants to contact you and make it easy for them. Thank you. Thanks for having me. Thanks for going to this depth. It's, it's all, it's really enjoyable for me and I don't always get to do it. So thank you. Thank you. And I also want to thank all you folks out there. If you are new to the program, well, I hope you'll come back. Please hit that subscribe button. And for my regulars, you guys are awesome because you make it possible for me to do this. And until the next one, everyone, please take care. Be kind to one another. God bless and peace. We hope you enjoyed this episode of Listen to the Vibes. You can catch us on Buzzsprout or wherever you listen to your favorite podcasts and on YouTube. Follow us on Facebook at The Vibes Broadcast Network.